Good day, my friend. You're at the right place at the right time, and you're about to hear the word of God that God has shared with us during our service time at Truth Gathers Dream Center Church. So I pray that we have your attention for the next few minutes as this word of God comes forth. I pray that it be a blessing to your life and to your journey. Luke 5, I'll be reading verse 1 through 11. And it says, And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake. But the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him. He asked him, he beseeched him, urged him, that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught, a catch. And Simon answered and said unto him, Master, we have toiled all night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. That's the breakthrough right there. That's the breakthrough. And when they had, when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. And they beckoned unto their partners which were in the other ship that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both ships so that they began to sink. Oh my. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me. For I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished and all that were with him at the draught of fishes which were had been taken and so was also james and john the sons of zebedee which were partners with simon and jesus said unto simon fear not from henceforth thou shalt catch men and when they had brought their ships to land they forsook all and followed him there's our reading for today and everyone say amen I want to preach or teach from the topic pray for a nevertheless tell your neighbor say pray for a nevertheless yeah pray for a nevertheless if you want something to pray for to put on your list out of all the things you can pray for I want to encourage you to pray for a nevertheless pray for a nevertheless things are going to happen in life <laughs> And, um, and and you're going to need this thing called a nevertheless. Uh, disappointment is going to happen. Trouble is going to rise. Uh, you keep living. One day you're going to be shocked by what you experience. You keep on going through. Keep on holding on. You're going to need a nevertheless. I need one right now. Uh, because my iPad don't want to work with me. Uh, nevertheless, when you get it right, uh, there we go. What's up with it? What's up? Nevertheless, I was going to preach without it. These texts, that, these verses we just read, to be honest with you, you can get lost and saw the greatness of the text that you will miss what's happening in verse 1. Verse 1 shows us how Peter actually gets to a net-breaking blessing. It shows us. It's right there in verse 1. I don't really want you to miss it at all. In verse 1, it says, And it came to pass that the people pressed upon him, Jesus, to hear the word of God. Peter actually got thrust into the deep because somebody created an environment through hunger. It was simply hunger. When you start thinking about how I'm going to get from here to there, 
you can start coming up with all the complex plans all the different types of intellectual strategies in which we do need God has not called us not to use our minds but before you get complex can we be simple the one thing that they had that's in the atmosphere that stirs this whole thing to a net breaking blessing it's something called hunger these people are hungry for God they are hungry for the word of God they're hungry to be in the presence of God sometimes people will make you excited for everything except the main thing the people here got the main thing and the main thing is having a hunger for God <laughs> glory to God a hunger for God so much so they're so hungry verse 1 says that they pressed upon him I don't want you to understand there's a place of hunger where you get aggressive where's a place of hunger where excuses go out the door when you get really hungry come on somebody when you get really hungry for something you're gonna make it your business to make sure it happens these people get so hungry that they press upon Jesus they're crowded around him that he has no room at the shore where he's preaching to them he happens to see Peter washing his neck and he says Peter can I use your boat for a pulpit can I use your gift in order to minister to other people and he uses this ship to preach to other people because people were hungry before we get excited about moving to a place of net breaking blessing I want to first stir your hunger for the presence of God I want to stir your hunger for the word of God I want you to understand in essence these people are chasing Jesus say chasing God say chasing say chasing he, he is he, they have actually chased Jesus followed him backed him up uh, on the shore to the point that he's starting to walk backwards about to go in the water because these people are so hungry it's almost like he's saying back up I'm gonna teach you in a moment back up I'm gonna share with you in a moment but these people are so hungry they are chasing him it is a spillover of the breakthrough that they have just seen that causes them to be hungry come on tell somebody so let's go backwards a little bit let's go backwards let's go to Luke 4 verse 31 because you won't understand why they are so hungry if you don't understand what they saw and what they experienced what they experienced made them hungry Luke 4 verse 31 through 44 I spent some time here uh, verse 31 says um, and when Jesus came down to Capernaum a city of Galilee he taught them on the Sabbath day. So went in the synagogue, teaching them on their day in the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And they were astonished at his doctrine. For his word was with what? Power. So he didn't just talk. When he talked, heaven backed him up. When he said something about God, God came and the Holy Spirit came and became a witness to his words. And in the synagogue, there was a man, in the synagogue, there was a man which had a spirit of an unclean devil and cried out with a loud voice. So now you're seeing what is happening. Jesus is teaching and right there in the synagogue, in the temple, in the worship place, in the church. Come on somebody, devils will come. If devils live with you Monday through Friday, they'll follow you to church. You don't just drop them off before you come to church. If you've been living with them, they'll come to church. And there's a man in the synagogue, in the church at that time, who has an unclean spirit. And he cried out with a loud voice. I want you to understand what this thing means. He has an unclean spirit. Uh, he has an unclean devil. And when this devil gets into the presence of God, this, this devil, this demon, cannot uh, hold his place anymore. What he's been doing in this man's life, and for me, it's almost like this man has been coming to church all the time until Jesus came to church. 
it means there's times you can go to a place called a church with a steeple you got a, a church that says Jesus but if it don't have power come on the devil will be in your life when you walk in and the devil will be in your life when you walk out but anytime you walk into a place that believes in the power of the sovereign God come on something's going to happen the demon begin to cry out with a loud voice it was an unclean spirit I want to show you something in Matthew 15 17 to 20 just watch me I'm doing a little parallel and you'll just watch me Matthew 15 17 to 20 says this do ye not, do ye yet not understand that whatsoever entereth in at the mouth goeth into the belly the stomach and is cast into the draught go into the waste but those things would proceed out of the mouth cometh forth from thy heart and they defile the man here it is for out of the heart proceedeth evil thoughts murders adulteries fornications theft thefts false witness and blasphemies these are the things which defile a man but to eat with unwashed hands defileth not a man. While Jesus is giving this principle to people who want to accuse God's people for breaking a religious custom, for eating without washing their hands, Jesus teaches a principle of deliverance. Yes. In the midst of teaching a natural thing about the washing of hands, which was Jewish customs, and the people didn't wash their hands, they wanted to hold them guilty. Jesus says, let me teach you something. It's not what uh, goes into a man and comes out of man that defiles a man, but it's what goes in a man and stays in a man that defiles a man. I want you to hear it. What goes in the mouth and comes out of a man and then comes back out of the mouth or come back out of the lifestyle of a person is what defiles a person. In other words, what have we digested, participated in that's still in us? that's still in us because whatever comes out of us we are free from but whatever we digest and stay in us it can be the thing that hinders our breakthrough and this is what Jesus is teaching what defiles a man and what comes out of his mouth what comes out of his mouth what comes out of his lifestyle so we can't even use uh, bad cliches and say God knows my heart because clearly the scripture says the way God knows your heart because it comes proceeding out of your mouth and through your behaviors so you can't act any kind of way and then just say God knows my heart and if when you say that you're actually right he knows your heart you ain't tricking nobody God knows your heart that's one of them cliches that people like to say when they don't want to have accountability they want to say God knows my heart we know God knows your heart because God knows your heart by your mouth God knows your heart by your behavior God knows our heart by our actions come on somebody that's how God knows our heart and Jesus teaches about deliverance in this um, um, a parable teaching them about what you eat if it digests digest and come back out of your mouth it has defiled you he comes upon this unclean spirit in verse 34 uh, going back to verse 34 it says saying let us alone the presence of God Jesus being in room makes uh, this demon spirit cry out I want you to pay attention to what the demon says. The demon spirit says, let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Why are you bothering us? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. See, the unclean spirit has a will. And it will often manifest or speak when it's challenged. When it feels like it's about to be uh, excommunicated, when it feels like it's about to be uh, kicked out and cast out, it will often start acting up. Mm -hmm. And what happens is the unclean spirit voice begin to speak out so that the person's real voice don't have a chance to speak. The person's real voice is being controlled and manipulated by this spirit that's saying, leave us alone. 
But the real person is saying, get me out of here. The real person is saying, I'm tired of this demon running my life. I'm tired of this unclean spirit ruining my plans, ruining my destiny. It's really what the heart of the person really wants to say. But the demon spirit says, let us alone. The reason I believe uh, it says, let us alone is because most times demons partner with other evil spirits. One of the main, it's plural there, us, the one of the main reasons I believe uh, one of the demon spirits that's attached to most bondages is simply the spirit of pride and shame. Pride is always going to be mostly a part of a person staying bound. Because if you're not humble enough to say, this is where I am, you can't get breakthrough. It's either pride or shame, because both of them keep you hiding. Pride put on a camouflage to make it seem like you're somewhere you're not, and shame does the same way too. Shame is also a substitute cover-up to make it seem like you're really not there or what's really not happening or shame will make you hide and duck and run and live embarrassed or shame will make you feel you are worthy of what's happening to you and that you don't deserve to do no better and demons will coach you and counsel you and tell you you deserve to be where you are and don't you dare try to make yourself no better and that shame will come on you to a point that you accept the place that you are in and most of the time before we can get you breakthrough from one thing we got to deal with pride that you can if ever admit that you are where you are we got to deal with shame if you ever can admit this is really happening so it's let us alone yes, yes, Thirty five, and Jesus rebuked him yes. rebuked him yes. saying hold that peace come out of him yes. when the devil had thrown in the midst I told the devil to act up in him he came out of him and hurt him not. He rebuked him. See, one of the things I think uh, why sometimes believers are so sensitive is because we're not accustomed to rebuke and correction. But rebuke and correction is a normal part of a delivered and growing Christian's life. It ain't got to always be open rebuke. Now, if you can always get an open rebuke, that's something else. That's escalated rebuke. But daily in your own life, you should be practicing rebuke. Just like Jesus rebukes the demon spirit to cast out of the man as believers and Christians, when you are tempted, you ought to be rebuking something. Come on, when wrong thoughts come into your mind, you ought to say, no, we're not doing that. I rebuke you. Now, in the name of the Lord Jesus, even Jesus rebuked the spirit in Peter when Peter was telling Jesus that you don't have to be crucified in order to go to the cross. Jesus told Peter no 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 my way up is down. No, no, you're not going to create an abomination here. The way I get higher is I get lower and Peter was saying you ain't got to do that because you Jesus. He said it don't matter that I'm Jesus. Ain't nobody so special that they skip process. You see what I'm saying? Ain't nobody so much of a celebrity that you skip process and Jesus Jesus rebukes Peter to let him know I got to go through as well. What I'm trying to tell you as a believer, if you're going to be strong and free and keep your life delivered, you got to rebuke some things coming to your mind. You got to practice rebuke and correction on a normal basis of your Christian life. And when you practice it yourself, you no longer as sensitive about correction that the Bible gives us in our lives. The church has so much sensitive, uh, you know, Christians. I've been talking about this because I got to get us to go deeper. So sensitive, can't be corrected, can't get, can't be corrected, can't be told that they were wrong. And it's just a sign you ain't been in the presence of the Lord. Because if you've been in the presence of the Lord any time of your life, the Lord will tell you you were wrong. You ain't saying nothing. If you will open up your heart and your mind, the Lord don't told. How many the Lord don't told you you were wrong before? How many times the Lord don't told you be quiet? and sit down. How many times the Lord said don't you do that? Don't you go over there because anybody who doesn't practice rebuke or 
correction as a daily lifestyle will end up bound. If you don't rebuke this devil, he gonna get you. If you don't open your mouth and say something, he gonna flood your life. If you don't push back on what's pushing on you, he's gonna enter your life. Rebuke is a normal thing for your life. Come on, somebody. I practice what Jesus did to the fig tree. I got to teach this. That's why I don't think I'm going to finish. We practice what Jesus did to the fig tree. The Bible says that Jesus saw a fig tree. I like it because it fits the scripture. It says Jesus was hungry. If happily he may get figs off the tree. He was hungry. He saw a fig tree. He went up to the fig tree and all the fig tree had was leaves and no fruit. In other words, it was faking the funk. In other words, it made it look like it was producing and never producing. And what did Jesus do with a tree that didn't produce? He cursed it. See, our problems is we allow non-productive things to linger in our lives. You ought to rebuke it. It's either going to grow or it's going to produce. We allow non-productive things to happen and linger in our lives. Jesus cursed it from the root. And I know some of us, we don't believe in rebuking nothing. We just think we're going to harbor everything and be nice. But Jesus comes upon a fig tree. And I know, I know I'm messing with the people that they say don't cut trees. And I know I'm messing with that. Don't come against me. Don't send me no letters by email or nothing like I believe in the green earth. I believe in that. Jesus does too. I ain't trying to offend you, but in this case, Jesus rebukes the tree and tells the tree, never again will anybody eat from you. And the, and the creator has a right to tell any created thing to respond. Matter of fact, it's almost a sign of disrespect that the tree, the tree just should have produced when Jesus wanted something. How come you ain't seeing what I'm saying? He is the creator, and if anything, the tree should have went into a season of production just because the creator was there but because the fruit did not bear the tree did not bear fruit Jesus rebuked it what I'm trying to say to you is uh, one of the way out of changing your life is rebuke I'm telling you you got to get corrected to get better <laughs> you get to, got to get corrected to get better they see Jesus rebuke a man correct him Right? Correct him. And when we understand correction and rebuke, we understand it's a motive in which you re rebuke something. You rebuke them for the good of their lives. Come on. You can't see. That's why you don't have no business talking to nobody you don't love. Alright? Because everything you do in ministry got to be out of love. Come on, somebody. So if you're going to rebuke me, the first requirement you got to have is to love me. Don't you dare try to rebuke me and you don't love me. Don't discipline me and you don't care about me. Because if that is the case, you are most likely going to abuse me. You're going to most likely hurt me and offend me. You're going to mostly like try to insult me. You're going to take it. You're going to take an opportunity. I'm, I was wrong. Now I was wrong, but because you don't like me, you're going to take an opportunity to hurt me. I was wrong. Oh no 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 no. See, you can't just justify what you said to me and how you said it to me. I was wrong, but the way you did it was wrong, and that's why you cannot be correcting people you don't love. If you don't love them enough, hush your mouth. If you don't love them enough to pray for them, hush your mouth. If you don't care for them, if you jealous of them, hush your mouth. If you envious of them, hush your mouth. They may be wrong, but don't you say nothing because out of your mouth is gonna come the wrong things because you're not doing it for the right reasons. Yeah, yeah, just be quiet. Let somebody who loved that brother correct him. Yeah, yeah. You jealous that he blessed and he driving the bins and you still been praying for a job. You just leave it alone right now. Yeah, yeah. You know you you know you insecure. You don't say nothing right now. Leave him alone. He may be wrong, but let somebody else because you don't want to misconstrue what God's trying to do. Because anytime God rebukes me, he rebukes me for the better. Anytime God rebukes me, he's reminding me who I am. Anytime God rebukes me, he's rebuking the behavior and reminding me of my destiny. He's rebuking the attitude and reminding me of my destiny. Here's a man bound with demons that Jesus comes to save. He done threw him away because he got demons. He rebukes him. Lord have mercy. Y'all gonna help me. Uh, he don't throw him away because he's uh, doing wrong things. He, he rebukes him. And through the rebuke, he comes to save. Through the rebuke, he comes to correct. 
Verse 36, and all were amazed and spake among themselves, saying, what a word is this? We never see nobody walk like this. We never see nobody correct somebody and save their destiny like this. I don't know, but I feel like slowing down. I just, just feel like slowing down. I just knew I wasn't going to finish, and I'm feeling it real strong. I can't say it enough how we need to treat one another very carefully. When you correct somebody, you got to know what you're doing. Matter of fact, if you're unskillful, don't say nothing. Just call for, call for the elders of the church. If you're unskillful, don't say nothing to them because you'll end up offending somebody and hurting somebody because you're unskillful. If you're an unskillful surgeon, go practice on some dummies first. Come on, somebody, some dummies, you know what I mean? Some mannequins first, something that don't have feelings. Come on, something that don't bleed for real. Come on, somebody, and get your cut together so you can make sure you're cutting off the infected part and leaving the rest of it there see you got to be skillful and Jesus is skillful enough thank you Jesus is skillful enough thank you Lord thank you I got two Jesus is skillful enough thank you thank you sir Jesus is skillful enough well that's what they're trying to say okay if you got one, use it. Uh -huh. Jesus is skillful enough to rebuke the man and still attract his attention. He's, still, he's skillful enough to correct this man, get the spirit out of the man, because he's telling the man, it's really not you, it's what's in you. And if I can get what's in you out of you and get something new in you, you can be everything I want you to be. I got to teach this message again because I'm also trying to say the church has to do more teaching and correcting and rebuking and rebuking don't always have to be mean correction matter of fact don't be mean when you're rebuking somebody come on don't be mean they'll misconstrue it it also teaches parents not to even discipline your children when you're too angry because many times if you're too angry you're gonna go overboard come on calm yourself down a little bit I mean sometimes they need to know you're upset but calm yourself down a point that you're not out of control come on somebody you got to be in control when you're disciplining somebody come on because part of discipline is to be disciplined and you cannot be undisciplined when you oh god help me when you're disciplining somebody i got to teach this real carefully here because jesus is getting ready to show people how he turns things around here is a man whose life is off course he's going say so he's going to church but jesus delivers him yeah i got it jesus delivers him verse 37 the fame of him went out and to every place of the country round about is that Jesus is here. He's healing people who got demons, people whose life will be off course. He's putting them back on course in verse 38. And he arose out of the synagogue. Follow me clearly. So Jesus is a Jesus who will deliver you at church. So he'll deliver you at church. But that ain't all. That ain't all. It says that he rose out of the synagogue and entered into Simon's house. And Simon's wife's mother, mother-in-law, was taken with a great fever. And they besought him for her. They said, we don't know what's going on in my mother-in-law's life. Jesus, come on out to the synagogue and come to my house. Because there's something going on at my house. I need Jesus to come to my house. I don't just need Jesus in church. I need a Jesus that deal with a family issue. He said, mother-in-law, my, my mother-in-law got a fever. And we, we need you, Jesus, because we don't know what's going on with her. The Bible says right there in verse 38, she was taken. I want you to underline that word, taken. She was taken with a great fever. Taken means the fever had gripped her and changed her life and behavior that she was no longer who she normally would be. This wasn't just something, a fever she can just deal with and still manage life. You know, there are things happening in our life and we just still go to work, you know, not feeling the best. But it's one thing when something takes you. When something takes you, you, you can't keep a normal schedule anymore. When something takes you, you can't keep your right mind and keep focus at work. This thing has overwhelmed you. This fever was so bad that the mother-in-law was no longer herself. And they came to Jesus and said, Jesus, can you deal with issues that we don't know what's going on? 
We don't really know what's going on. All we know is that she has a fever. See, a fever is, is not an illness by itself, but a fever is rather a symptom of something that's not right in the body. So in other words, my mother-in-law got issues and we don't know where the root is. My mother-in-law got circumstances and she's sick, but we don't know what's causing her to have a fever. But this fever is taking over her life. A matter of fact, a fever will also make you not interested in eating. When you have a fever, you lose your appetite. When you have a fever, you're not hungry like you need to be. When you have a fever, you also may have constipation or diarrhea. What it means is the natural body can't even get rid of things. Tell somebody you need to get rid of things. Oh, this is a natural thing, but it's a spiritual thing. Because because in order to grow in life, you got to eat some things. There's some things you got to partake of in the word of God in order to grow. There are also some things you got to get rid of in order to turn around like God wants you to. It also means that she was nauseated. It means she couldn't digest things. This fever was causing her not to be able to digest things. And Jesus was able to come in and deal with not just the symptom, but the root cause. And I believe this is what makes Jesus' fame grow so far, is Jesus can deal with root causes in our lives. We don't know why she's angry, but Jesus knows. We don't know why she's sad, but Jesus knows. We don't know why he's frustrated, but Jesus knows. Jesus goes beyond the fever and be able to deal with the root issue of her life and being able to heal her and calm and get rid of the fever verse 39 watch again what Jesus does here again he rebukes the fever I want you to see a trend here how you get stuff moving out of your life and he rebukes the fever and it left her and immediately this is one of my fine points I love I love this point it left her and immediately she she arose and ministered unto them when the fever left the gift arose we would have never knew what Simon's mother-in-law could do if she would have just lived with a fever but when Jesus healed her and got rid of her fever and her symptoms and her issues now we understand she's gifted what I'm trying to tell you is there are people got issues going in their life but you don't know how gifted they are because something has overtaken them something is in their life and you have no clue how artistic and how gifted and how much of a genius there is but once the fever was under control the Bible says she arose and ministered to them we didn't even know that this woman had the gift of hospitality until Jesus did with the root cause. What I'm trying to tell you is there's somebody you know right now going to have to reintroduce themselves to you because once they meet Jesus, Jesus going to get rid of their fever, deal with the root cause and everything you thought you knew about them has been based on what they've been dealing with and everything you think you knew about them has been based on the issues but my God, when Jesus comes in and heals soul you'll find that that person more gifted than you ever thought here is a woman that we just don't know who she is until she gets healed <laughs> he heals this woman and she gets up and ministers to them serves them verse 40 now when the sun was setting all that they had any sick with divers diseases brought them unto him he laid his hands on every one of them and he healed them. I got to see, man, there's something happening in our church that God really wants me to teach. And this is why I'm here. Because he really is trying to get us to the ministry of the word. Everybody say the ministry of the word. See, they were hungry for the word. But also the, the, the ministry of deliverance. Of healing and deliverance. Want to notice how Jesus did and how Jesus treated people with issues and circumstances. He, says, he, he said, when the sun was setting... All that they had, any sick with diverse, diverse diseases, brought them unto him. He laid hands on every one of them and healed them. My God. Devils also came out of many, crying out and saying, Thou art the Son of Christ. When I was reading this, I heard the Holy Spirit says, There are people, there are more people with devils than you know. That's what the Holy Spirit said. There are more people with devils than you know. 
And many times we just think, oh, she just got a problem. He know she just got a problem. No, there's a root devil behind there. There's a devil and a demon driving them. Come on, somebody, to continue to live in that place, live in that mindset, live with that anger. Come on, live in that mindset, live in that behavior that they're doing. It's a demon that's sponsoring those thoughts. Come on. And sometimes, again, I got to teach this because one of the things we're talking about in the church right now is going deeper. Come on. The church will love to just believe in angels but not believe in fallen angels. And fallen angels ain't nothing but demons. That's right. So there's a part of the church that believe in angels. He gives his angels charge over me. I got angels watching over me. All right. That's nice. But nobody believes demons are on a rage. And then we got some people in the church body afraid to talk about demons. We got churches talking about they believe in Jesus. Ignore these scriptures. Never preach on them. Never talk about them. And when they do talk about them, talk about them from a historical context. Only that Jesus cast out demons in his day and that we are not to cast out devils in our day. So tell me what we going to do with demons all over the place filling people's lives. You tell me we're not going to cast out devils? Jesus cast out the devil. He cast out the devil rebuking them. Suffer them not to speak. Be quiet. Hush. For they knew he was the Christ. And when, he, when it was day. I want you to understand. There's so much here. Jesus first was in the church. I want you to follow me. Jesus was first in the church. But Jesus just don't come to church. So Jesus come to your house. He just don't come to you. Not only would he, he's just not a church Jesus. He's a Jesus that follow you home. So you can function while you are home. Come on, because if you it ain't no partial life. You don't just come here to put on Jesus and then go home and cuss everybody out. No, 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 no. You're gonna have to take some of this good behavior that we put on for the next for the for two hours on Sundays and, and demonstrate that the rest of the week. So we can't just have a Jesus that shows up on Sunday mornings. We need a Jesus that goes home with us. Synagogue to the house. Tell somebody I'm taking Jesus home. Yeah, I'm taking Jesus home. Uh-huh. He cast it out in verse 42. And when it was there, I want you to notice that verse 40. I'm teaching strong today. Lord help me. Verse 40. When the sun was setting. I'm in a strong teach mode. I thought I was going to preach because I had some preaching points up in here. 40. When the sun was setting. Y'all see that? Verse 42, and when it was day. I want you to understand, it takes time to get people where they got to be. It takes time. That's why sometimes, I mean, as we're teaching the moment, that's why sometimes after we've been here for two hours of worship, we'll get up and we'll do a benediction so that anyone else who wants to feel comfortable to leave, I want you to understand our culture, you're welcome to leave. Now, we don't feel bad or nothing like that. I wanted to say it clearly. We don't feel bad. When we do the benediction, it's for you to leave. But if you still need more of God, you're still hungry, and you want to stay in the presence, you're welcome to stay. All right? And we do that so you can have a, a sense of courtesy, all right? Because if, once, the, once the power of God starts moving on more of a few than the corporate, then it's time to shift. That's the, how we do it. If, if it's a corporate move of God, we may hang you in there a little bit. But when it starts being more about 10 or 20, we'll do the benediction for the hundreds and let the 10 or 20 stay, whoever want to stay in the presence of the glory of God. Because sometimes you need more time in the presence. You need more time in his word. Come on, somebody. Come on, I know that I know, I know you thought that one little act of sin, because it only took two hours or two days or a few years, but sometimes it takes some time to get out all that's been planted in you and dig in. Because sometimes you don't even know why you so messed up. You don't even know why you so deep down in something. You don't even understand why you feel the way you feel. And you need somebody to take time with you and walk you through and process through. Come on somebody. Y'all hear what I'm trying to say? I'm trying to preach. Because sometimes, I want you to understand, it takes time to get people through these strongholds. It takes time. It takes time. 
and it's kind, it's wonderful that when some of y'all have, have moved on to the other side of things that you feeling good but you you still hungry for somebody else to get breakthrough. So you don't leave all the time. You stay with the people who are trying to get what they need to get because you remember when you was once bound. You, can I just testify while I hang in there when I see somebody pushing through? Come on, it's not just, just about them. Sometimes when I'm looking at them, I'm looking at me. I remember when I was struggling and when I needed somebody to pray me through. When I needed somebody to lay hands on me and make sense of what I'm going through. And the reason I hang in here and the reason I'm tired when I get home and the reason I don't know if I want to go outside, go eat or what to do. At the end of the day, I'm tired and I'm drained, but it's worth it because I remember where I once was. And if they didn't stay with me, y'all hear what I'm saying? So sometimes I don't stay for me, I stay for you. Somebody say hunger, I ain't gonna finish. I told you that. This is all about hunger. Jesus is hanging in there all day. <laughs> and we think we're going to experience strong signs and wonders with not a spirit of endurance in the presence and in the word. We can't keep our minds focused on God for two hours. Or you might as well mess with it today. And that's fine. Your prayer ought to be, God, grow my attention. God, grow it like you grew it when I watched the three-hour football game. Don't mess with me today. Grow it like you grew it. When I went to that long movie, come on. Took forever to get to the, the ending. Come on, grow it. Grow my, come on, though. This is something to go deeper in. No, 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 no. Come on in here. It's something to go deeper in, especially when God is moving. I ain't talking about doing something, just playing in church. Ain't God no presence. God ain't there. No presence here, no deliverance. We all need to go home. Come on, but if the presence of God is here and we need to be able to endure, you got to build some endurance up. Not just for you, for other people. I'm pushing it today because some of us are still living for ourselves. And you got to move over there. People need your time. There are people who need your energy. They need your prayers. There are people who are stuck in stuff. They don't know what it's like to have a good family. You had a good family. They don't know what it's like to have a good mind. They've been dealing with some mental illness half of their life. And they need somebody to counsel them. They need somebody to talk to them for a few minutes. They need a little bit of time after church. Come on. They need something. Y'all, I've got to push y'all. If we're going to move into signs and wonders and grace deliverance we cannot put God on our schedule all the time y'all ain't ready I'm telling you we had to learn what it is really to wait on God what it is to wait on God is, is, is right in the book of Acts where he told them stay in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high in other words you don't determine when I come on the day of Pentecost you don't determine when I come and feel the Holy Ghost because that's what they was doing in the first part of the verse. They will say, when are you going to restore to Israel? When is your presence? He said, get your head out of my business and get focused on what I told you to do. I told you you're going to be filled with the Holy Ghost and with power. And he told them, I'm going to make you wait on me. And the Bible said they had to wait until the day of Pentecost. See, we don't understand what we're doing. And sometimes that culture that we try to relate sometimes in our church, sometimes don't really get with it. Like people are like, what y'all doing? We're trying to get it. We're waiting on him. Because I'm feeling that something is on this Jesus. And the reason we said Jesus 15 more times, because I feel there's something on this Jesus. The reason why we sung this song another time, because we feel that there's something here. Come on, somebody. Some of y'all don't know what it's like to have a radar detector. And you just know something's there. Beep, 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 and keep on drilling and keep on drilling and the boosh see you ain't understand what I'm trying to say we're never going to have real glory with the lack of patience in his presence I'm telling the truth and studying a little bit of Benny Hinn's ministry Benny Hinn 
talk about sometimes he would just sing worship for hours and then when the power came is when he would begin to exercise the gift and the faith of healing but before that time he would do nothing but worship now I can imagine hungry people desperate people there waiting for the moving of the water waiting for the presence of God and he ain't moving he ain't moving in the gift he waiting on the presence of God come on somebody because sometimes we just think that we can just come in here and tell God when he's gonna move and tell, I'm just telling you it's the hardest thing and I understand we got to do things in order I'm not talking about not being excellent I'm not talking about not planning but I'm just saying there's times we got to sacrifice <laughs> I go finish this. I do it. I do. I'm gonna go finish. Verse 43. And he said unto them, I must preach the kingdom of God. Listen, no, 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 no. Let me go to 42. Sorry, 42. Apologize. 42. And when it was day, he departed and went into a desert place. Now, from studying, you know what he was doing. If you study a little bit, you know what Jesus was doing. When Jesus depart and go into a desert place, he going to pray. He going to refuel. Full, full day of ministry goes in a desert place, but listen to this. And the people sought him. Imagine trying to take a break to pray. And people saying, you got what we want. These people are so hungry, Jesus can't take a break. I'm telling y'all, I went to New Jersey, and I tell the stories, I went to New Jersey to an African Jamaican mixed church. And them people wore me out. <laughs> wore me out. But at the same time, I tapped into a level in the spirit that was amazing to the point that I had a out of body experience at the altar while I was prophesying. While I was prophesying, my spirit came out of me. While I was up there, I saw it, just me and God, and said, look at you. <laughs> I'm serious. I mean, the anointing was so heavy, and it baffled me. Uh, it baffled me because uh, when I got up there, when I got up there, uh, they got me up, church started at seven. Praise and worship went for an hour. Then I don't know why the children choir had to sing and the children choir had to sing. And then the presider, he, he got stirred up. It was 9.15 when they got me up on a Sunday night. Church started at 7. I said to myself, boy, I got to preach a fast one here tonight because these people going to leave me. Man, I went to preaching. Those people was like, we didn't get out of church till 1 o'clock. And they were still in church after church. I was the guest speaker saying, get me to the hotel. No, what I'm trying to say is they were hungry. Oh, I'm telling you, so much virtue came out of me. It was a phenomenon to me. I took my socks off and squeezed the sweat out of it. Squeezed the sweat. My, my clothes were sticking to me. I didn't even notice. These people pulled on the anointing all night long. I'm telling you, get in the You ever get in an atmosphere where raw hunger is and people's mind are not disturbed about what they got to do next and nothing is as important as the moment that's before them and nothing is as important as this deliverance as a point. I'm telling you what I know. I'm telling you. I feel the hunger rising in this house. That experience just did something to me. I mean, when I literally, when I say they wore me out, I mean they wore me out. That Sunday, I ain't gonna talk about that Sunday when I preached. Let me tell the story. There's a young man, a husband, got saved in that revival I did in New Jersey. He got so saved and delivered filled the Holy Ghost, his children and wife didn't even know him anymore. Because the life he lived before that moment was so different than who he had become. They didn't know what to do. They were sitting in church for the three days I was there, 
looking at him like he was a space martian the kids didn't understand the wife was happy but she was she because she was coming to church by herself but she talked to me after church one one night and said y'all don't understand she said i've been fussing with him for three years about coming to church and I just said, Lord, I'm leaving in your hands. He was mean. He was hateful. He fussed at the kids. He didn't get along with nobody. Just like he was mad with the world. Next thing you know, this revival coming up. He said, I'm going to revival. She's like, whatever. She's like, whatever. Next thing you know, he done came and revival got saved. And he fussing in a good way before church starts. Y'all better get ready. We're going to be on time. They're the first one at church sitting there. They're the, the children looking at their daddy like, we don't even know who you are. But I'm telling you, when you're hungry for God, I'm telling you, when you're hungry for the presence, whenever God put a hook in you, whenever God put a hook in you and pull you in. Hey, shut God had put a hook in that man. He was so hungry. His, his, his wife didn't know what to do with him. Give me a few seconds. I'm about to end. I feel the Holy Ghost. I feel the Holy Ghost. Verse 42. Hasha. I feel the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Give us a hunger, God. Our net breaking anointing, our net breaking blessing. Start with a hunger. That's it. Then we gotta be deep. It gotta be deep tonight. If you can just, if you can work on your appetite, if you can just work on your appetite, your hunger. I ain't gonna get to the rest of it. The net breaking anointing. There's a net breaking that will transfer, but it starts with hunger. Let me finish. Let me finish. Let me finish. I'm got to say this. I feel the Holy Ghost. Look at verse 2. Stay right there, brother. Jesus went to pray. They pulled Jesus out of prayer. Actually, they went where Jesus was. So let me tell you something about breakthrough and deliverance. See, that's why sometimes you can't fuss at people when they make shifts and changes in their lives. They go where they get fed. They go for, there'll be people who don't grew up in a church and I'm not against any type of denomination or anything that nature but I am against a dry church I'll just say that openly there's people who've been in a dry church all their life and got one taste of the presence of God and went back to that dry place and say no I just can't do it no more my mama was there but I can't do it no more my granddaddy grew up in it but I can't do it all my family here matter of fact my, my, my last name is on the first three pews because when they had a pew rally we paid for these people but I can't go back because I've tasted of something else thank you again my friend for listening to our radio broadcast of Truth Gathers Dream Center Church the word of God is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path and every time we hear his word, we're able to grow thereby. My friend, I also want to invite you to our service. Maybe you have a free Sunday coming up real soon. We'd love to see you at 1317 High Road here in Tallahassee. Truth gathers dreams in a church. God bless you until the next time right here on Wave 94.